Yes, it's that time of the week again. Keeping it real with Chuck Looney, the big fella. Episode number 12. I say it each and every week, but how the hell have we got to 12 episodes? I do not know. And uh, when you hear that music, the boys light up the old Australian crawl. You always know it's time for another potty to drop. And uh, let's get the big man, the big show. Well, it's a big show. Oh, yeah, all the way from Mount Eliza and... Uh, we say a very good evening to Darren Chuck Berry. How are you, Saka? Big fella, it looks like I'm stuck with the big show now because all the locals down here are into me calling me the big show. So you've been <laughs> successful, you prick. Uh, and I'm going to have to stick with that. And speaking of the big show, uh, we've got a very big guest coming on tonight. Maybe not as big as he once was, but when we get there, I look forward to introducing a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. No, I can. Uh, all I'm going to say is I used to get called this uh, back in my cricketing days at uh, Nestles. The boys used to uh, give it to me a little bit, a little bit of stick here and then. Uh, talking about Nestles Cricket Club, let's go to our next guest. Yeah, Timmy Ludeman, you've asked for a new song, mate, and we have delivered, big fella. That's a little bit better, Stewie. I've seen myself just, you know, up on the dance floor at the Whalers, just digging away to that one. <laughs> you don't dance, mate. You do not dance. And if you do, you've got to be uh, half-tipped up, that is for sure, isn't it, Chuck? Uh, hey, listen, I-, I wanted to mention at the top, uh, you were back calling the football uh, last weekend, AFL, of course, first round. I even che- My mum and dad even tuned into you last week, mate. They've been avid listeners of the podcast, and they're downloading the K-Rock FM app just to listen to Chuck Berry call the footy on a Friday night well thanks for your support big fella at least I know there's you three tuning in amongst uh, the other five (laughs) listeners we have Uh, to be honest I think I've said to you before of all the things that I've been able to do in my life and cricket's played a huge part the thing that I enjoy most of all and hopefully that comes out in my commentary is to call the AFL football it is an honour and a privilege to do it. So I hope you enjoyed it, and Geelong fans certainly would have because they belted the Hawks. Yeah, no, they absolutely flogged them. Did you tune in, Timmy? Now, you're a Geelong uh, local now. Uh, how is Chuck Berry received in there on the airways, big fella? I <laughs> know uh, they, they like him. They, they thought he was um, from Geelong, actually. So when they found out he was from the other side of the bay and with how much carry on he's had on this podcast, he <laughs> might just quickly find himself... Uh, <laughs> Fighting the arse, I think. Now, now, uh, Chuck, I got Timmy on the phone first tonight, and uh, yes. all I'm going to say is he said to me, quote, unquote, I've dropped a new uh, impersonation, and he said, I've read it past a few of my friends, and they are saying that it's the best one he's ever done, so there's no pressure to uh, bookend the show tonight. Let us be the judge of that big fella at the yes. end of the show. Uh, I look forward to hearing Ludeman's new impersonation. Uh, should we get our very special guest on? We don't want to keep him waiting much longer because he's hailing from the far north. <laughs> Let's do it. I've, I've got a little tune for him, but I hope he doesn't mind this. He might know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. What, what is this rubbish? <laughs> Listen, just We'd like to him. remind everyone that some of the programmes to follow are possibly not suitable for children. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be this podcast from now on. I'm going to hand over to you, Chuck. Oh, very appropriate. It gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, someone that burst onto the scene in the, the early 80s as a talented young Queensland batsman. And he was a very talented young batsman. In 19, uh, well, a couple of years later, 1982-83, he made his debut for Australia uh, as a batsman on the Pakistan tour. We'll talk about that as well. He did play 30 test matches for his country. He scored three centuries for Australia as well, including 44 one-day internationals between 1982 and 1987. Throughout his career, and you probably alluded to it with your introduction music, he was referred to as Fat Cat. I don't think he enjoyed the name too much, (laughs) but tonight it gives me great pleasure to introduce a much skinnier version. It's the Skinny Cat. Greg Ritchie, all the way from Queensland. <laughs> Evening, Cat. Uh, uh, 
Uh, thank you very much, Chuck. Good evening to you, Tim, Matt. Uh, great introduction there. I thought I'd have come on to something uh, from the Rolling Stones, more to my point, sympathy for the devil or something like that. <laughs> uh, I felt it would have been a lot more appropriate. But uh, look, I was called Fat Cat uh, as a cricketer. I used to think uh, it was because of my feline reflexes in the slips cordon. The blokes, the blokes that used to sit at the MCG in Bay 13 suggested that I was called Fat Cat or Cat, as they'd shorten it to. They, they reckon I was called Cat because they felt I had been interfered with by a bloke called Tom when I was very, very young. But that is, uh, that is not the case. Um, but anyway, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I, am, I have struggled for 60 years. Well, not 60 years, 50 years, 50... 45 years of my life to get rid of that nickname. Um, I think I might have uh, done the deed now. In the last uh, 14 months, uh, under a recommendation from a doctor and a medically supervised weight loss program uh, with a company called Life Shape Clinic up here in Brisbane, uh, I have shed 36.5 kilos. Oh, that is wow. That deserves yeah. another. That deserves another now that that says you, okay. I'm sitting in the studio here, Fat Cat, smacking yeah. in a little bit of Dirty Bird, a bit of KFC tonight. You've made me yeah. feel super guilty. Well, um, it was uh, it was necessary. I got a bit of a uh, got a bit of a scare um, that uh, about 14 months ago injured my back, couldn't play golf, um, blood count out of control, um, heart not in the best shape. Um, the the surgeon said to me, the, my uh, cardiac guy said, Oi, if you want to see that beautiful daughter of yours who's now eight and reached ten, you better do something about it. So uh, I did. And it's good been a good enough. journey. I feel, I feel fantastic. Um, I feel brand new. Just had my latest bloods, the results this afternoon, all back to lower than uh, average. Um, scores, you know, LDLs, HDLs, won't get into all that uh, medical stuff, but cholesterol stuff, heart in fantastic condition. I'm back uh, to what I was probably like in my mid twenties. Um, so good news. So it, it's all been a, all been a terrific journey, and we get these little bumps in life, and uh, you just got to address them as best you can. So no, it's that is skinny an amazing, cat now, whatever. That I is, don't know what that is an amazing yeah. story, Skinny Cat, because uh, yeah. and again, uh, you know, my career was just starting when Greg's was probably coming towards the end of his career, boys, if you like. And as I said, he was a super talented young player, and I think sometimes the old perception of Fat Cat probably took away yeah. a bit, like Merv Hughes, I reckon. Um, the perception yeah. of Merv yeah. overshadowed the actual ability that he had, but. Cat, look, that's a great story, and and that's the reason initially why we got you on because I heard that story, oh, and thanks, mate. Yeah. you know, and I know that you know I've had a few issues myself recently, and we had a good chat about it, and you yeah. said you'd love to yeah. come on. So uh, yeah, life shape, life shape, big yeah. fella down in Warnable. Maybe we can get life shape down there for you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm not in bad nick at the moment, I must say, but uh, I said at the top of the show, when I used to run around in the uh, the thirds at the Nestles uh, Cricket Club, and I say the thirds, it was tough to get a gig in the twos or the ones back then, uh, you know, I used to get, uh, kind of the boys used to call me uh, the fat cat Greg Ritchie lookalike uh, in the little uh, Nestles Cricket Club, and I loved it, because I, I, I loved you as a cricketer, fat cat, or skinny cat. Hey, mate, that's 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 very uh, that's very kind of you. You know, you know, it is a perception thing too. I've got to tell you, um, I think the heaviest I ever played uh, cricket for Australia was about ninety kilos. Yeah. But when yeah. I uh, that, when I first made that tour uh, to Pakistan in eighty two, I went over eighty four kilos and came home seventy nine. Uh, and yeah. I played most of my international career at about eighty four, eighty five kilos. So. It was the nickname which uh, led to the the thing, but I mean that's uh, that's how life goes. A bloke gave it to me when I was fourteen. It stuck. The more I told them not to call me that, <laughs> the more they did. So, yeah. But I mean, when you look at photographs, uh, I, I was never the size that a Mark Taylor played at, uh, and never really the size of Boone when I played for Australia. Uh, in my latter years playing for Queensland. Uh, I got up to about 94, 95, but I played probably uh, my best innings when I was heaviest. Um, 
I think that I can remember scoring 200 at the Adelaide Oval against South Australia, wow. batting batting for seven seven and a half hours, and uh, my father was listening on the radio, and uh, he said, "Oh yeah." Um, the, the commentators were talking about my weight and actually Neil Harvey was one of the commentators and he said, well, I'm not too worried about his weight. His fitness must be okay because he said he's, he's just made 207 and a bit hours. So he can't, <laughs> he's going, okay, I, I wouldn't worry too much. And, you know, in comparisons to Burge and the bigger blokes, Milburn and those guys that played, it was never a problem for me. It was always a problem for everyone else. They wanted you yeah. to look, to look how you were, but wasn't to be. Anyway, I have no regrets. I enjoyed my cricket. Awesome. I, I played uh, played in a great era and had a lot of fun. Just to finish that off, Cat, and we'll move off the weight section yeah. because you you just gave your yeah. weight scenario, and I think it's a great story. But clearly, post career, you probably let yourself go, and it's no secret that you are one of the great. And I say this uh, great after dinner speakers. I've been around Australia a lot and listened to a lot. Uh, we, we can't talk about a couple of uh, people that have gone into isolation. We, we'll finish off later on with that. But uh, the after-dinner yep. speaking circuit, and uh, no doubt, a few red wines, plenty of... So you had yep. blown out, probably, because uh, you just had lost 30-odd yeah. kilos. Yeah, Darren, um, that, you know, lifestyle and, you know, no training again and, uh, you know, comfortable in your own existence. Uh, three or four gigs a week around Australia, big steaks for lunch, Half a dozen beers, big steak for dinner, another half a dozen beers. Um, saw me, you know, blow out to, yeah, you know, I got up to 133 kilos. Um, and, it, you know, just way too heavy, just purely through lifestyle, you know, through lifestyle and neglect. Uh, you got to be honest. You got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, let myself go. Did I just ate and drank what I liked and drank, you know, beer is my poison. <laughs> I love the beer and I was good at it. Um, so <laughs> I became, I be, I became uh, very much, you know, a first eleven member in the beer drinking uh, team. So, <laughs> captain, captain, yeah, it could have been. Um, you, but you, you, you know, you kind of hear the exports that you know, like the David Boone story, of course. You know, jumping yeah. on that plane, drinking fifty-four cans or whatever it was. Um, who yeah. were some of the uh, the other kind of uh, underdogs in that kind of uh, area? Oh. I thought the best, uh, but it's not 50. I'm not going to correct you. Don't take this the wrong way. It was 52, but for Boone <laughs> on the plane. But, um, point of conjecture is there were those who felt it wasn't a true record because uh, there were those who felt he had four of that 52 on the ground before we left, <laughs> right. um, which, which doesn't count. Had to be in the air. It was still a marvellous effort. Um, uh, but he wasn't in as good a condition as Rodney Marsh was when he broke Doug Walters' record with 48. Uh, <laughs> Walters set the record with 47. Marsh broke it with 48, but were both able to walk and attend the press conference that followed when we arrived. <laughs> or when they arrived. Uh, Boone was uh, wheelchaired off, uh, put to bed for two days, couldn't attend the first day practice, and in fact, Simpson was going to send him home. Um, so... Uh, yeah, uh, not not the record, and uh, all reports are Booney's not that good at counting anyway. Yeah, that's on the golf course, but that's another story. Uh, Correct. Anyway, um, that's Cat. Uh, what about uh, you? Cat. Bruce, what about Bruce, your uh, your first first tour, mate, of uh, first yeah. Australian tour? Because I know that you you don't like flying, or you you never no. used to like flying. In fact, you're petrified. I hated getting on the flights, yeah, and you're you're selected for your first Australian tour. Uh, yep. to Pakistan, where you replaced, yep. I think, from memory, Greg Chappell, and, and you actually scored 100 in your second test at Faisalabad. I did, uh, I did, Chuck, a couple of uh, a couple of points to uh, <laughs> about the trip. I was elated to be uh, selected in the side. Um, I remember flying down from Brisbane with Tomo and Alan Border, the other two Queenslanders in the side, and turning up to the airport in Sydney, walking through the doors of the area that we were to assemble in and seeing the likes of Kim Hughes and Bruce Laird, Graham Wood, Rodney Marsh, my hero, um, you know, Terry Alderman, um, these guys, uh, Bruce Yardley, the late, great Bruce Yardley, legends of the game, heroes of mine, and I'm in the same team. I hadn't met a few of them uh, 
very much. I'd only met Rodney Marsh once for a brief moment out in the middle of the Wacker when I was out court marsh by Lily for no score, and he wasn't all that kind to me as I departed the Wacker <laughs> on that occasion. Um, but he he came forward, uh, spoke to me, said, uh, listen, Chapel rang me last night uh, to tell me you've got a bit of a fear of flying. He said, uh, you're going to sit with me on this trip. And that was great news for me because I used to always sit with another mate of mine whenever I flew in those days, uh, Johnny Walker. And uh, I'm now going to sit beside uh, Rodney Marsh, who had the current record from Sydney to London in those days. And so we had a bit of a sip. Uh, Rod and I had a chicken pie-eating competition in Singapore, which I won. Um, they, they had six chicken pies in the hour and a half stopover. Um, I had to have six. Rodney had five, and I desperately wanted to show commitment to the team. Um, so I knocked over the six and got on board Pakistan Airlines for the next leg of the journey. And uh, I brought up four of those six chicken pies um, on that flight. Um, the last two of them, the last two of them were actually whole when they came back up, and uh, it was easy to uh, hand them to the air hostess in a paper bag and say, would you heat those up again and bring them back a little later? Um, but, uh, I was, I'll never forget the flight. I was, I was bloody terrified. And, uh, you know, the last three or four hours in handcuffs is not all that comfortable on board. One of those flights. Um, <laughs> it was a great trip. Um, it was an unbelievable in, in the Pakistan, and, and, and you get a hundred, you get a hundred your second test. Any, any I, memories I of that, Cat? was, uh, I shall never forget it, Chuck. In fact, um, you know, there are still times you might have a few drinks or you're reminiscing with a few mates and watching the footy. Over, and I shut my eyes and I promise you I can still see the crease and uh, my one leg mark on the crease. Uh, and I can still see the shot that brought up the 100. Uh, Iqbal Kazim bowling. Um, we were nine down. We'd lost... Uh, Wickets number seven, eight, and nine, um, whilst I was at the other end. And I was on 94. Tomo was the last batsman to the crease and walked up to me and said, uh, I'll try. He had two balls to face from Abdul Qadir, uh, who was ripping through our tail end uh, pretty quickly. And uh, he said, Don't muck around. I'll try and face these two for you, Cat. And he said, But don't muck around next over. So it was Iqbal Kazim. Tomo played. Kadir, two balls beautifully. Next over, Kazim came in and uh, I made up my mind. I think it was about the third ball that he had to go over the top. Um, and Imran Khan, the captain, was at mid-off and I picked that area to be my zone. He luckily put it in the right place and I managed to hit it over Imran's head um, for, for a six. And uh, But, yeah, sort of brought up the, the hundred. And, and, and it's a moment in your, that changes your life. I mean, because you fulfil a, a goal that you'd set yourself, first to play for Australia, but then to score a Test hundred, and it's um, all of us within the, you know, within a second, it's done, and you see the hundred come up. Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, it, there were a lot of great memories about that. It taught me a lot about batting that particular innings, uh, about patience and questioning yourself in the nineties, the nervous nineties, and um, but it was a it was a goal that I'd set myself from a young kid to make a test hundred and I did. What I probably didn't do all that well was re you know, reset goals after that. I, I managed to score another couple of hundreds, one in Adelaide against India and uh, one in England at Trent Bridge in the eighty five Ashes series, but I should have scored a few more, you know, I let a few uh, go. I think I got ninety three times or twice and eighty nine but I I yeah, you know I look back and think I probably could have done it a bit better. Um, but I should have reset the goals. I think I would have played a few more tests. But no regrets. Don't look back. Look forward. Um, I, I've achieved you know, something that I'd always wanted to do. It's, it, was a great, it was a great feeling. It was a great, great feeling. We lost the test match, so you can't celebrate hard. But uh, you know, I tried my best. <laughs> oh, we're, speaking with, uh, we're speaking with Greg Ritchie, former Australian batsman on our uh, podcast, Chuck Ludy and the big fella, and Tim Ludeman to fire the next question. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, Kat, uh, I became quite good friends with Wayne Flipper Phillips through my time yeah. in South Australia, and I know yeah. you're good mates with him. He used to tell many stories, so I was wondering if he might be able to bring up a few favourites of yours, and maybe even the time that you met Lady Diana. 
<laughs> yes. Nice. Wayne, Wayne Phillips, one of the uh, most talented uh, batsmen I ever had the pleasure to play with. In fact, the first uh, six months of my marriage, I slept uh, in a room more with Wayne Phillips than I did with my first <laughs> wife, uh, which, is a li- which is a little scary. Um, I have great memories of Flipper. He was on the tour. We were both young blokes from Pakistan 82. We became very close. We roomed together for three or four more tours after then. England 85 um, was some of the funniest moments I've ever had in my life. And he was the the instigator of all of it. Um, Two occasions, but the same game. Um, Firstly, we had this magnificent dinner It was at the Gloucester Cricket Club, of which Lady Diana Spencer uh, was the Mm. patron for the club. So she was at a uh, dinner, 500 people at the dinner, and the Australian cricket team were presented uh, or were given the opportunity for what's called an audience with her prior, in a back room prior to the commencement of the dinner. We were told to stand in small groups of twos and threes, and she would be ushered round with Alan Border, the captain, and he would introduce it to uh, us in just very sort of random conversations. We were told to watch our P's and Q's. So Phillips and I get over in a corner somewhere, having a few beers or having a beer, and you could see that Border was just avoiding us because he was obviously <laughs> scared. He knew, he, he knew we were probably going to play up, and he was staring us down. You know. So we are the last ones to come over. Uh, and, she, and he said, oh, Mr. Gregory and Wayne Phillips. And we said, oh, Your Royal Highness, nice to meet you. She had been photographed that week coming out of a mother care store, which is a baby store, baby clothes store, yeah. very famous in, in England, um, in Bath. And the paparazzi were following her as they did all her life, unfortunately, right till the end, as we know. Um, and there was a photograph on the paper that week with a big uh, why is Princess Di in mother care with a big question mark. The, the rumours were out that she was pregnant with um, her eldest boy. Um, well, oh, his name escapes me. That William. terrible prince. Prince William. William. Um, so that that had gone. So Border comes over, Lady Di, Gregory Wayne Phillips, Your Royal Highness. We go there. And, you know, I didn't say anything. Nice to meet you. Flipper starts. He said, oh, and he just goes, Oh, nice photo in the paper during the week, eh? And Border nearly bloody would turn red. <laughs> and he's behind her shaking his head. And she just sort of looked and she said, oh, yes, it's uh, very difficult. Uh, they have been following me for some time. And Flipper goes, yeah, he said, it's terrible. He said, uh, you know, he said, oh, I know that shop in Bath that you were in. And she said, is that right? And he goes, yeah, my missus was in there last week. He said, looking for some clothes, but she didn't get a photo taken like you, eh? So when are you two? <laughs> oh, Jesus, I thought we were going to get shot. <laughs> you know? So she hadn't made any announcement or anything at this stage. This was all oh, just and hearsay. Phillips, Phillips has said, when are you due? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I, even I gasped, and, and Border went the colour of a cricket ball, just totally red. She burst into laughter. And she turned around to Border and said, these two are dangerous. I better get away from them. And he said, absolutely, let's go. And he got away, turned back, and he glared at us. I was really on the ground laughing. And Phillips was looking at me going, what, what, what? <laughs> That's on, I promise you, so the game starts. Uh, uh, the, the game's the next day. I have the game off. So I, I had... Um, practice my drinking pretty heavily that night and I was um, you know I'd done a good job um, we get to the ground the next day and Lady Di is going to come to the ground and we have this band uh, it's her military band who were performing for the crowd now we had met a very very good band in the first test some five weeks before this occasion at Gloucester at Leeds for the test match and they'd won a national competition they were called the Hammond Sourceworks Band. They became famous around England because they'd won this big competition. And they were all blokes that worked at a factory that made sauce, like barbecue sauce, right? But they were dressed, and they dressed up like a military band in their red. They looked terrific. This band playing at Gloucester this particular day wasn't the Hammond Sourceworks Band. 
<laughs> Philip thought, thought that it'd be great after the, her military band had finished their performance prior to the start of play on day one, if he snuck into the room where the ground announcer's microphone was <laughs> and in his best English accent, when they finished, he said, ladies and gentlemen, I would like you all to be upstanding and thank the Hammond Sourceworks Band. <laughs> oh, the crowd just, the crowd went silent. The head guy with the big banner at the front, he stood and looked and the secretary of the Gloucester Cricket Club came roaring out onto other, who did that? Who did that? Not, not only did he not know, but the entire Australian cricket team and the management had no idea. <laughs> and there was a bit of a tape. To ta he'd reckoned it was one of us. And Bob Merriman said, don't you accuse us of doing that. Of course it wasn't us. When next minute, <laughs> Philip just Phillip. appeared out of the room and said, no, nah, no, nah, yeah, that, that was me. Yeah, that was, that was me. <laughs> um, so within, uh, within two days, he, uh, he was a very funny man. I guess you had to be there. But I, I, I'm telling you, it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. The other point I remember of Wayne Phillips was he made 128 batting at number seven for Australia against the might of the West Indies in Barbados in the test match where he hit every one of their fast bowlers, and I'm talking of Garner, Marshall, Holding and Roberts, four pretty useful quicks. He hit them all, not just the six, he hit them all out of the ground individually. Uh, 128, one of the great innings I've ever seen in, at test level. Absolutely brilliant. He was great to watch bat. He was fun to bat with. And he was an absolute lunatic to tool with. He would do anything and in the most unexpected times. But a great fella. Great mate. Cat, Cat, before, before I let Matty Stewart ask the next question, because I, did, I wanted to yeah. talk about the West Indies. Uh, but, yeah. but Flipper, would it be fair to say, for, for yeah. people that love the game, he was a little bit... He was like Adam Gilchrist before Adam Gilchrist time. Forget about yep. he couldn't keep beer cold, uh, Wayne Phillips, behind the stumps. Uh, mm. But his batting was the left hand, free-flowing like Gilchrist. And what you just said, I remember him hitting Malcolm Marshall back over his head at the MCG for six. He was yep. a freak uh, ball striker. And just on yep. the back of that, tell us about facing the West Indies, Cat. I know yes. you've got some <laughs> stories about that. Big Joel well, Garner and the boys. Uh, mate, it, it was good. Look, to answer the first part of your question... Um, Phillips was uh, in, exactly as Chuck described it. He was the first of the Adam Gilchrist type, although I don't think he kept as well as Gilchrist, but he wasn't, uh, I used to call him Mungo, which was after a, uh, uh, named after a bloke I used to play with out in the bush who played in the thirds for this side, and his other nickname was Symbols because that's how good a wicketkeeper he was. He used to <laughs> play him together like Symbols. But his other nickname was Mungo. So Flipper was always Mungo to me when we were playing cricket. One of the great innings I saw was that one in Barbados. He also won a game for us in New Zealand at the Basin against a pretty useful attack, which included Richard Hadley. When we needed 13 and over for the last 11 overs, we were seven down. And we got them wow. with four overs to spare. Gee whiz. <laughs> oh, just uh, one, of, one of the guys, I think it was 90-odd he scored. It was just, I mean, we thought we were gone. And he won the game single-handedly. Um, those West Indies I, boys. Yeah. Viv Richards they, was a big fan of yours, I reckon, Cat, when you came out to face the Windies. Was he? <laughs> was he or not? I don't know. Smoking oh, Joe. He... he um, Viv and I used to get on okay. I think uh, he, he sort of had a bit of time for me in the fact that he, he he thought it was pretty cool that I didn't wear a helmet against him. Um, yep. And he, he, he and I spoke about it. He said, yeah, you always got to back yourself. He said, at, at least, you know, it looks like you're not frightened. I said, Bill, uh, Vivi, it might look like I'm not, but I've got 12 pair of underpants and they're all brown for this particular <laughs> tour. Um, so, yeah. Um, to, to say uh, it was frightening um, is probably not the right word. To say you were somewhat apprehensive and you always had in the back of your mind that if you made a mistake, uh, you could, uh, and I don't say this lightly with what's happened in the game of cricket, particularly to you know a couple of our Australian brothers who played uh, the game, but um, you knew you could lose your life if you made a bad mistake. So 
it was pretty hard. What it, what it's like to to try and explain is um, it's it's points it, to do it statistically. It was point six four of a second from when it left Michael Holding's hand to when it passed went past your nose, and you couldn't tell the difference between he Marshall Roberts and if Garner got it right his pace as well. So it was all day at you, but the the big difference between then and now is there was no bouncer law. And that's, that's why the rules of the game were changed because of that great pace attack. If they knew they could bowl four at you between waist and chin, um, it's impossible. (coughs) And I defy anyone to play a cover drive off your forehead. Yeah. Um, it, 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 you cannot get on the foot and push that one out through the covers from in front of your face. And they worked it out. <laughs> can I ask though? Like, did the, did anyone yeah. in the Australian cricket team at the time? Did they ever like? Did anyone ever pull you aside and say, "Listen, you know, like, we we think you need to put a lid on." You know, like, it, it was that yeah, was that, that always discussed? Some, sometimes. Um, they would say, fact, why don't you wear a helmet? When I look back now, I, I wished I would have worn a helmet. But you know, it was yeah. a bit like the old it was a bit like the old peeing competition. I was I just wanted to show them that I didn't need one. Yeah. But I think I would have been a I was I fancied myself as a hooker and a puller. Um I I think I would have been a lot more efficient at it had I have had a helmet on. I had tried to practice with them in the nets, but I found that, that the bars, and, and these are old-type helmets, interfered too much with my vision. I just couldn't find something that, you know, I didn't like looking through the bars. Plus, I found that the helmets were extremely heavy, and, and I don't think you could move your head as freely as you could if you didn't move, if you didn't wear one. Yep. And I... I I honestly do believe that if you put a lid on, you, you you know, this is back in the day, you were saying to the bowler, I'm wearing this because I'm thinking that maybe you can hit me in the head. Yeah. I knew that if I didn't have one on, they would try and hit me in the head. And in most cases, it was an advantage to me because if they wanted to bowl short, I was comfortable with that. Um, and I could score runs off that shot. So there was a bit of a you know give and take scenario. I, I did any get good cold. story that facing them. Any any good yarns facing the windies? Did they give it to you? No, they didn't say too much at all, and I certainly was never going to say too much to them. There was not too much sledging went on. Um, sometimes uh, you might get you know if you played and missed a few times, they'd say lucky, Jesus, lucky shit, you know uh, maybe something like that. But there was ne- ne- never any real bad sledging and nothing really personal. You know, never heard any personal stuff. In fact, we, we went into their dressing room. They came into our dressing room at the end of every day's play. Um, there was a wonderful relationship between both sides. I think a lot of that was to do with Clive Lloyd, the West Indies captain, and, uh, you know, Hughes and Border, who got on really well with all of them. But it was frightening. I mean... The first time I played against them was in 1980. I had three or four first-class games under my belt, played against them at the Gabba. I got 75 in the first innings, clean bowl by holding, 55 in the second innings, clean bowl by holding, both Yorkers. But early on in the first innings, I went to duck under a bouncer from Andy Roberts, and I just didn't quite get down low enough, and it skidded and hit the top of my head and just did a like a ski jump off the top of my head, goes for four buys, oh, wow. uh, four leg buys. And after about three overs, Clive Lloyd walked past me. He said, hey, uh, fat cat, you said you got blood coming down your shirt. <laughs> wow. And I said, yeah. And, he, and I said, really? And I couldn't feel anything, you know. I, anyway, I took my cap off. I had a cap full of blood. And the button, you know, that little button that sits in the top of your cap? <laughs> yeah, I hit that. <laughs> yeah, it had pushed that down and just nicked my head. I got about three stitches in it at the end of the day's play, you know. They just put some Vaseline and stuff over it. And I thought, I thought, hmm. <laughs> oh, helmet. close. Helmet, close. well, that... There was a few of the blokes then said, fuck it, put a helmet on, you idiot. You may not make the end of the day. But um, <laughs> No, you talk, I think if you've got a technique, 
if you were taught a technique as a young bloke to deal with bouncers, there was no need to wear one. These days, if I was playing with the money they're earning now, I wouldn't risk it. I mean, you don't want to be out with a broken jaw or something like uh, hooks he had in World Series or what have you. But it was a different it was a different game. You got more bounces, so you were you got more practice at letting them go. You know, I see blokes play bounces now with helmets, and what they do is turn their head because they know yeah. they can't get hurt. That's that's yeah. not good for the game. Anyway. Right. Enough about Big fella, you wanted right. to ask him something about one day cricket, I think. I want to talk. I want to go from the Caribbean back to the SCG, uh, Greg, and uh, I want you yep. to tell me about the day of uh, possibly <laughs> a couple of fans in the out of uh, of the oh, opposite man. sex that uh, maybe took a bit of a liking to to you and maybe <laughs> a couple of your teammates. I reckon it was against the West Indies again. I think for four of my first four years of cricket, we either played them in a Test series or they were here for a one day series. I got picked. Uh, you know, for my first one, Sydney Cricket Ground, what better place? Full house against the West Indies. And Chapel says to me early on in the game, uh, Cat, go down to third man. And it's right in front of the old Sydney Hill. And I thought, oh, no, I just did, you know, I was scared. I would have loved <laughs> to have just been somewhere in the circle. So I go down there and they're all they all giving you a razzing and they've all been on the squirt all afternoon. It's night time, you know. So I'm thinking, Christ. Anyway, we... Um, I'm pretty sure it was Desmond uh, Haynes uh, went to play a big cut shot over the top, got a bit too much bat on it. It's straight down my neck, and I managed to hang onto it, which was pretty unusual for me. So I've got the crowd on my side, and as a bit of a gesture, as the Sydney girls used to do, a few of them thought it was probably a good idea if I had a look at uh, their kahunas, and um, you know that was that was going to be a, a bit of a prize for me. Um, so when they what when they, they just got that, him out, they just yeah, just lifted the shirt up and and so I, I started give, you know, I put my hands up to give them both ten out of ten the whole of it. So for the next uh, forty minutes of fielding in that position after the change of every over, I'd get down there, I'd have a new uh, entourage Shit. of girls wanting to uh, get a get a score. So uh, I, I <laughs> and Chapel said to me, "What's going on down there?" When I told him. I had nine other volunteers to say, Fat Cat, do you want to go? Can I go down there? Let me go down there. It was unbelievable. Uh, again, the game has changed, but that was the culture in those days. Sydney Cricket Ground, what a night it was. Um, what a what a, uh, what a great experience it was to field in front of that Sydney Hill. Yeah. Full house, particularly if Australia were winning and if you had scored a few runs or took a catch, you know, um, and I don't mean to be derogatory to the young girls, but you know, um, it was, uh, <laughs> was was quite ex, quite extraordinary. Uh, was there many tens given away down there, big fella? Oh, I I had to be uh, pretty careful what I was saying. I didn't. I <laughs> I must say I didn't see too many sevens. They were all about that. Uh, I've got to be honest. <laughs> uh, and, and for, if you're in a game of cricket and you're, uh, you're getting to you know, perform another activity during the course of the match, uh, everyone's going to get a pretty high score, I reckon. No wonder they were all flocking to the hill. I just want to know, oh, too, like God. you just mentioned the West Indies before. Like, you know, They had that kind yeah. of that reggae, uh, laid-back yeah. kind of persona about them. What were they yeah. like... After you know, like after the cricket, like did you get out the gas with them, or you know, were they yeah, were they walking around oh. smoking joints? What happened with the Wendy's no. back in the eighties? <laughs> no, no, I tell you what, um, there, there was none of uh, there was none of the smoking the dope amongst the players uh, too much. Uh, I think a few of them uh, may, may have uh, indulged uh, over time, but not not a whole bunch. Um, but the crowd themselves were just, uh, they were just unbelievable. That They treated you like gods. The players what you're talking about, would they go out and get on the gas with? Absolutely. I mean, after those one-day games in Sydney, um, we would invariably head up to a place called the Cauldron, which was the haunt in the old days in the 80s up in the cross. A lot of your listeners, uh, or the seven or eight that are listening tonight, would, would remember <laughs> it. <laughs> um, they would remember a place called the Cauldron if they're of my ilk, 60 years of age. And we would invariably go up there, the Australian team, 
and you'd walk in and there'd be Joel and Clive and I, we'd just hang out till two and three in the morning. In those days, the games never finished till 11 at night. So by the time you had a shower, warmed down, had a beer with the guys, it was 12.30 and you, you didn't feel like falling asleep, particularly if you'd, ha- if you'd been scoring in the breast competition all night. You couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> so you'd, you'd have to, um, you had to go out and, you know, we'd, the Cauldron used to stay out until about three or four. West Indies would be there. We hung out, we travelled together, we, uh, you know, on the same planes, you sat with them. They were just great fellas. It, it was a very, very friendly uh, friendly way to, to, to play a sport. They were great guys. All the teams were. Hey, Lutz, 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 we know that the cat, we know that he's talking shit now because he said, he just said then by the time you're warmed down, I thought you warmed <laughs> up and you cooled down. He's actually warming down. But, yeah. uh, Ludi, you want to ask him about uh, a, uh, maybe another West Indies trip, but I'm not sure Cat was there as a player, Ludes. Uh, yeah, Cat, I, I remember growing up. Um, yeah. It was probably about... <laughs> it made headline news when it happened. When Steve Wall got that, yeah. that double hundred and you ran out on the ground famously, it was all over the press yeah. in Australia. <laughs> I just want to yeah. know what the hell happened and what were you thinking? Oh, mate, I was full of emotion um, for Stephen Moore as he, as he made his 200. That's it. You know what? If we've got a little bit of time, I love telling the story. Cause, and this is uh, as true as I uh, stand here talking to you tonight. I'll, I'll tell you very quickly. Um, first day, I've got a tour of 52 people, 26 couples. Average age is 60 on the tour, right? So we get to Jamaica, Sabina Park, first day, and... I have to perform an official role at lunchtime, do a bit of a talk. and all, So I couldn't sit with my people for most of the day. We get onto the bus. It's a great day by Australia, actually. Um, and we have Gillespie, uh, not Gillespie, Paul Rifle, um, Glenn McGrath and Brendan Julian knock them over just after tea, day one, for about 2.40. Great bowling day by Australia. And I get back into the bus with my people thinking, oh, and it stumps where one out, um, you know, Justin Langer was the wicket that fell. Uh, I think he faced nine balls and had been hit in the helmet 11 times. Um, but that's another story. Um, that's a joke, though. Uh, Justin Langer. <laughs> 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 Mate, nine I got balls, it. been hit 11 times the batting wicket. coach. <laughs> so we're back in the bus, and my people, I can tell they're not happy. 52. And I said, listen, what's the problem? They said, well, Greg, we're not happy with the seating today. They said, uh, you told us we'd have reserved seating. There was no reserved seating. We were at, you know, we're supposed to be behind the boulder's arm. And I can tell they're really unhappy. So I said, let me make a few phone calls. I'll see what I can do. I said, I'll meet you in the bar at 7. I come down at 7, tell them the only way we're going to get good seats right behind the boulder's arm in the stand is to get to the ground early. So they said, well, what time's the ground open? I said, well, apparently it opens at 8.15. They said, well, we want to be there at 8.15. I said, listen, the game doesn't start till 11. They said, we'll be there at 8.15. Sure enough, that's when we arrived. So we're sat. Everyone's got their seats. There's no one else in the ground at Sabina Park. By 8.30, we've all got our seats. I'm thinking, well, 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, 11. There's two and a half hours. What are we going to do? And I just happened to notice a little bloke that I'd seen the day before who used to sell the beers. And I thought, yeah, hurt. So I said, hey, John. He goes, yeah, fuck up. What's going on, man? What's up, man? Yeah, everything cool, man, cool. I said, yeah. I said, what about some beers? He said, yeah, how many do you like? And I said, 104. And he said, 104? And he said, I said, yeah, two each for everyone. He said, oh, okay, cut. I go and get them for you. So I said, money. He comes back. He got the 104. We knock them out. Everyone on Brecky Bears. Yes, righto, Greg. Okay. And 26 females, 26 blokes. So we have the first two Brecky Bears. I said, right, who wants another couple? Oh, no, not for us, love. So there was about another dozen blokes. So, John, is a more beers cut? I said, yeah. He said, how many? I said, 104. So he brings up another 104. So there was about 12 or 14 of us got through those uh, in the next hour and a half. Long story short, we, we'd had a few before the game starts. Uh, Steve Wall comes out, joins Mark Taylor, they bat. Steve gets, you know, 70 by lunchtime. 
I said, well, we better have a celebration. John, you heard cut another hundred? I said, yeah, another hundred, mate. So we, <laughs> the 15 now, 20 people drink again. So we, anyway, after lunch, Steve gets close to 100, gets his 100, and he's now joined by Mark, who starts to catch him very, very quickly. Played great innings. We get to uh, the drink session between lunch and tea on day two. Steve's about 180-odd, and uh, Mark has just got his 100. John comes round. We need some more beers. He said, that cut, big problem. I said, yeah, what's that? He says, no more beer. He said, we're out of beer. You drank all the beers. <laughs> <laughs> I go to him, oh, Jesus, how come we couldn't possibly be out of beer? <laughs> he said, I'm telling you, we're out of beer. I said, well, you, can you go down the shop down the road and perhaps give us a couple of bottles of rum? He said, yeah, i do that cut. So he comes back, he said, cut, cut. He said, the shop is shut. I said, oh, no, what are we going to do? We're dehydration, you know. And he said, I got something for you. He said, I got some good smoke for you, Cap. I said, oh, yeah, right. Uh, so I said, why don't, why don't you go downstairs and roll up some big Bob Mullies and bring them back up for us, eh? Which he did. <laughs> so I fired a couple of these things up. And, uh, the ladies and the people saying, what are, what's that you're smoking, Greg? I said, I meant to make them cigars. They're magnificent. <laughs> I said, they make you feel very relaxed and they make the cricket very funny too, so you should have one. So everyone was on it. everyone smoking the reefers. What a magnificent tour, guys. We had a big blue cloud over our section in the grandstand. Anyway, Steve gets to 190-odd, and uh, I'm sitting there um, trying to... Dodge all the chooks. I had to send out for 25 chooks at tea time. Everyone got very hungry. Anyway, um, <laughs> we, we, we were <laughs> knocked over the chooks. Now, of the 52 people, there's still 13 awake. A lot of the ladies were just lying prostrate out. They had chook bones in their hair, stuck to their face. And um, <laughs> He's getting close to oh, 200. Man. One of the blokes says, hey, cat." he said, what's going on down the other end of the ground? And the people were standing up at the fence. And I said, yeah. I said, look. When over here, if someone scores 200, you can run on the ground. I said, who wants to come run on the ground with me? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says, nah, nah. So he got his 200 and I, I said, Jesus, I'm going to have to jump. And uh, out of the grandstand, there was no stairs, which I'd forgotten. And uh, it was about 18 foot high. So I thought, right, I'm going to do this. 4,000 West Indians in the thing. I thought I was invisible, and they're all yelling out, "Jump, fat cat, go on, jump, jump, jump!" <laughs> I did. I hit the ground right in front of the Australian dressing room. Ian Healy describes it pretty well when he says, "Can you imagine the fright you gave us, cat, when Greg Ritchie <laughs> fell out of the sky in front of us?" Full of red stripe here, and you thunder to the left. <laughs> yeah. So I made it out to the centre. I ran through the slips cordon, said good day to Richie Richardson, who I'd played against, Roger Harper. You know, Richie goes, well, fuck up, what are you doing out there? I said, I'm out here. Congratulating my nice teammate. That's what I'm doing here, dickhead. You know? <laughs> I put my arm around Steve and put a big bloody mud print on his shirt from where I'd you know, done my commando role when I hit the ground and I did the jump. And uh, <laughs> he said, fat cat, what are you doing here? I said, I'm just congratulating you on one of the great innings I've seen, but I've got to go now. So I thought, I'll run back through the Australian restaurant so I can get up to the grandstand. Uh, Hooksy saw me, and uh, yeah. <laughs> they put the camera on me and identified me. Um, it didn't cause too much uh, of a hullabaloo. I was working for the Channel 9 country team at the time, and one phone <laughs> called the next, Kerry Packer, wasn't all that pleasant. Um, but... <laughs> It wasn't as bad as the one I got from my first wife, a lady, uh, <laughs> lady I used to call Broomhilda. Um, however, um, she just—it turned out to be pretty good news. She said, uh, "You've been all over the news service here in Australia," and I said, "Yeah." I said, "Never mind." She said, "Plus, I want a divorce." So that was terrific news for me. And, wonderful, uh, wonderful. 
I just didn't think it was going to cost me that much. Anyway, that was uh, that was how that transpired. But it was a good day at the cricket. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That is amazing. Fantastic story. Now, listen, what we do, okay, yeah. uh, Greg, uh, on this show, we've got a uh, wonderful sponsor. What are you driving at the moment, mate? Um, I uh, drive an 86 Alfa Romeo. Oh, beautiful. An old, a very old one. My wife has a Toyota Kluger. I hope I've covered your sponsors for you, haven't I? Uh, well, we're, we're all Nissan. Nissan Warrior oh, here, Fat Cat, okay? Magnificent yeah. motor vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll tell you what, not a dissimilar build uh, yourself and the great Clinton Bullshit at uh, Warnable Nissan, big fella. And they have got some cracking end of financial year deals. And you've got that 150000 tax write-off too, which is uh, super important at the moment. And the Warriors are Beautiful. walking out the door. But uh, you are going to take on the great Chuck Berry in a little oh, quiz, no. mate. A little quiz for oh, the no. Nissan Warrior, okay? It's as simple as that. So- Either Chuck or I win a Nissan Warrior if we win. That's kind of your thing, I'd have done the show for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, listen, your buzzer is your name, okay? So just give it a test for us. Cat. Chuck. Beautiful. Righto, Ludy. You ready for this too, Ludes? You're going to be the scorer. Okay. All over it. No cheating. And uh, we, because of uh, your nickname, Fat Cat, which was a great kids' TV program, I thought would yeah. focus on uh, famous kids' TV shows. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going to be no chance. And Chuck's hopeless at these quizzes. Let that just be known, Greg. Okay? He's terrible. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Let's go. Question number one. For the Nissan Warrior, yep. all thanks to Clinton Bolsh, name the famous show that featured Miss Jane and plenty of drawing. Oh, Mr. Squiggle. Yeah, you've got to use your Sorry. cat. You've got to use your oh, buzzer, mate. Doesn't matter. It was Mr. Squiggle. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, Hang it on, was. I'm protest. I'm protesting. He didn't use his name. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm but sorry. I, I did. Just, he, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I heard a cat late. I don't know whether that was a yeah, I did, I did in. cat. I did say what cat. Right, right, let's right. go. Question number two. Yep. Name the famous kid show. That featured a border collie. Cat. No, cat. Cat, definitely. Lassie. Well done. Well done. Lassie, of course, is uh, correct. Right. Question number three. Yep. Two zip here, too. Chuck, lift your game. What kid show featured a bear that couldn't talk? Chuck. Chuck, I'll give that one to you, big boy. Oh. Humphrey B. Fat Cat Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, was, that yeah. was Keith Stackpole's nickname, Humphrey. Yeah, it was. He had a big low <laughs> ass like Keith Stackpole. Yeah. His ass was on the ground yeah. just like Stacky. Hey, hey, guess what? I ran onto the ground at the Gabba when he got 200 against the rest of the world in 70, 71 too. <laughs> oh, there you go. I did. I was, only, I was only 10. But you could run onto the ground. Fantastic. The big question, though, had you drunk 104 red spots that day? No. No. I had only had two rum and cokes with Dad that day. But anyway, I've done it again. <laughs> and a couple of Checo rolls. Yeah. Well, you can't be the old Checo roll. Right, uh-huh. question, question number four. What was the yeah. name of the TV show that featured colourful puppets... That lived in caves. Oh, yes, I remember cat. it. Yes, cat. The Muppets. No, sorry, I didn't. That was a. Come oh, on, hang on, you got a free stab at this, uh, Saka. Just give me what it started with. Did it start with a J? Started with an F. Uh, no, Chuck's no good. I can remember the show. I can see put it. Put them out of their misery, Ludy. No idea. Oh. <laughs> you want to have another go, Cat? No. Remember Jay. Fraggle, Fraggle Rock? Fraggle Rock. No. Remember Fraggle no. Rock? Jeez, no. shame on you two, Max. Right, eh? Must have been big. Must have been big in Warnable. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> said it. Not that big yeah. in Toowoomba or Wonthaggy. <laughs> no. Looney, no. score check. 2-1, Fat Cat's way. Right, 2-1, Fat oh. Cat's way. Right, oh. next question. Who time yep. travelled in the TARDIS? Oh, Cat. Yes. Uh, Doctor Who. Oh, 
All over it. All over <laughs> the cat. Don't worry about that. And this is the last question. Now, I'm just going to let you in on a little secret here. This question's been done a couple of times before on this show. Oh, no. I'm going to play a theme song. <laughs> and if you don't no. get this one tonight, Darren Berry, you may as well put the cue in the rack and never come back to the show. It doesn't matter. He's going to be defeated 3-2. Come on, let's go. <laughs> right, let's go. Have a listen to this. And I want you to yep. tell us what this theme's from. I'm calling me down the road. It's where I'll always be. Every stop I make, I make a new friend. Come on, cat. Oh, come on, cat. It's a dog. It's another dog show. Wonderful dog show. Nearly as popular oh, as Lassie. Yes, cat. Cat. Um, is it Bluey? <laughs> It's a blue. I'll tell. You, I'll give you. It was a blue kind of coloured dog in this show. Yeah. It's like it was like a blue German Shepherd looking kind of dog. Yeah. It, oh. Mm. Uh, the the. Mm, come on, Chuck. We've done this question. This is the third time. God, you know, it wasn't was a very popular third. show. It wasn't an Australian show. No, I think it, well, it was an American Ludie. Or, I don't know, actually. So, Joey, I'll no give idea. you the tip. Don't bring this up again because after three shots at it, I still don't know the name. Oh, the littlest hobo, you blokes. Oh, the littlest oh, hobo, yeah. I, I can remember the show. I don't remember the uh, theme song being played. The littlest hobo. <laughs> what a yeah. cracking show it was, too. And I kid you not, that's the third time we have had this question yeah. on. And uh, Chuck Saka can never get it right. But you know what that <laughs> means, Fat Cat? Three, two. Oh, Thank you. I got a brand new Nissan. <laughs> Jeez, you'll look good in it, too. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much to, um, Clinton to Nissan for that. For that car, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it, big fella. Hey, listen, we thank you so much for coming on, okay? Been great to talk. Oh, pleasure. Great to hear some of those old stories. Love and, the uh, cat. Yeah, it, it's sensational. And, uh, you know, look, the old days when cricket was cricket and, uh, you know, look, yeah. you'd mingle after games and it was a really social kind of event, wasn't it? Uh, sounds like it was awesome it was, fun. It was good fun. Golden, golden times. I, I do enjoy the cricket now, though, uh, they are great athletes. They uh, they are great entertainers, and uh, yeah, good luck to them. Um, it's a, yeah. Hey, Kat, you're a good get... you're a good man. Thank you so much. And uh, look, we Thanks, got you Chuck. on with, with this with the weight loss, and made it to. It's a credit to you because the discipline you've showed, and I was when I heard the story, and you you got a young girl now, and you're very happy in life, yeah. and mate. Uh, yeah, when I'm up in Queensland, I'd uh, love to catch up for. Uh, you give me, you give me a call. You give me a call. I would love to take any of you out on the golf course. Make sure you bring your checkbooks. And, uh, <laughs> Sounds like Michael I'll Jordan. Help, <laughs> I'll help you. I'll help you out on a great holiday. It's been great to talk with you guys. Uh, I hope your show goes well. If your attitude and uh, your questioning and uh, the 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 life and liveliness of the show is anything to go by, you're going to have a great success. Good luck. Good luck with it, boys. Thanks for having me on. Good on you. Great Thanks, stuff. Cat. Greg Thanks, Ritchie, our special guest on episode 12, Keeping It Real with Chuck Ludy and the big fella. And, uh, well, Chuck, you've delivered in spades once again, mate. He was sensational. Uh, he's a, mate, he's a great man. And I, I just love the story that, you know, the weight loss story was the initial thing. Look, I didn't talk about it on air when we had Greg on, but uh, as you would know, he did become a very, very, uh, or he is still an outstanding after-dinner speaker, and he was very famous on the footy show with, um, you know, some impersonation. Yeah, but in that. the world of yep. in the world of political correctness, unfortunately, you know, we, we just couldn't go down that path. And a lot of people would know the famous character of Mahatma Coat, uh, and Greg Ritchie did that unbelievably well. But, you know, we, we unfortunately, and, and we respect 100%, uh, and as did Greg Ritchie, he texted me today and he just said, look, we're, we're not going there, and I respected that as well. But a lot of people will know that little skit that he used to do. Now, you're talking about impersonations there. A great man, yeah. as I said at the top yeah. of the show, he was so eager to get on and tell me, and he said, he declared this is his best ever. I cannot wait, Timmy Ludeman, for you to tell us be good. what you Better have be been good. working on, big fella. Well, I thought in the theme of the week, with the fat cat on, we've got the big fella, and we've got Saka, all uh, you know, big people. I've gone with fat bastard from Austin Powers. <laughs> 
Oh, one right. Favorite, one of my favourite characters of all time is Fat Bastard. This yeah, is awesome. Yeah, uh, I can relate to it. Doesn't he? Does now, 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 Chuck, doesn't he like uh, his Austin Powers kind of uh, theme in these kind of podcasts? You know, he, he wouldn't leave uh, Warney alone with uh, with the question. Yeah, look. So long as... So long as we don't get fat bastard crossed with Dennis Committee, that's all I hope. Because <laughs> if we do, it'll have to be something, that, and I won't do it because I reckon get in my belly might come out in a moment. So uh, I'll leave it to you, Ludie, to let, let us know how good this is. You're right, Ah, it a baby. I'm bigger than you. I'm hard in the food chain. Get in my belly. <laughs> brilliant mate you've absolutely yeah, done but are you, have you got like young kids or something there that are going to sleep or something because you didn't really want to let loose there did you <laughs> no young little McKinley's in bed so I don't want to wake her up <laughs> well fine mate that was fantastic hey what were your thoughts too before we go boys footy back uh, I must admit I'm going to put my hand up I watched probably four quarters over the weekend uh I wasn't overly enthused about it. And then that's just myself personally. I don't know. I just, I just wasn't overly pumped for it. What about you two? You Obviously, Chuck, you're in the box calling, but what about you, Ludes? Uh, I'll say fake crowd noise. Like it without the crowd. I, I like it's that. A must. Yep. It's a must. Shorter quarters. Don't like it. Sean Burgoyne tackle. Should have got weeks. Disgusting. Yeah. I, I, actually, I reckon the Burgoyne, very, very lucky. Very, very lucky to uh, to get off that. And I know there's been a lot of media about if it had been Toby Green or uh, someone else, um, you know, would they have got uh, suspended? You were there live, Chuck. What was it like live? Yeah, no, it was ugly. And uh, at the time, we all said on air, uh, Mark Neild was in special comments. He said, unfortunately for Sean Burgoyne, he's going to uh, miss a couple of weeks, he felt, with that. And unfortunately, he's got off. We all mm. disagreed. Um I think the AFL have come out and changed the rules today as well, so our listeners might have to follow that up tomorrow in the papers as a result of this uh, this tackle. So watch this space. Uh, the Cats were superb. My Saints were very good. Western Bulldogs were disgusting, but the Saints were very good. Um, West Coast Eagles beaten by the Gold Coast is a talking point. And I'm looking forward this week, Thursday night, I've got uh, Richmond and Hawthorne. And then Saturday night, I'll be back down in Ludie's neck of the woods. So, uh, Ludes, I don't think we can uh, catch up as yet, but I'm doing Geelong and Carlton. Looking forward to that one down at GMHBA. And in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be looking for a bed to stay over and uh, we'll catch up. Maybe, Stewie, you come to Geelong and we might have a, a podcast catch-up. Yeah, sounds good. Absolutely love it. And uh, the good thing is, too, that they're starting to slowly, uh, by the looks of it, let some crowds into the footy, which I think will be uh, fantastic. It's going to be a slow burn, no doubt at all, but uh, it's just uh, good to see people in those stands, I reckon. And uh, what a good story, too, I reckon. Gold Coast Suns, uh, I think they'd lost 17 or something straight. Uh, you know, so to, to to get a win for uh, for that young team, uh, I thought was fantastic. That's one of the highlights of the weekend. You're right about your Saints too, Saka. They were up and about, and uh, I've just got a feeling there's going to be a couple of teams. I think the teams with a bit of leg speed and that that might be bolters uh, in this kind of shortened format and shortened season. Yeah, well, Bradley Hills added some pace. Uh, Dan Butler from Richmond was exciting. Uh, even Zach Jones, who I was a bit sceptical about, played really well. But the one that was outstanding, guys, uh, was Paddy Ryder's ruck work. That was sensational. His tapped ruck work, the craft of ruck, it would have made Sam Newman proud. The way that he tapped it into the path for Gresham. So, you know, uh, as a St Kilda supporter, I'm up and about after one week. But you know what? We play Collingwood this week. That'll be a pretty good test for the Saints, I would have thought. Mm, good stuff. What's on for you for the week, Looney? Just work, mate. Richie Brothers Auctioneers. If you've got anything to sell, get around us. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. And Chuck, uh, what are you calling this weekend, buddy? Yep, I'll uh, just repeat, Stewie, because you weren't No, you, you told me you were doing Thursday night, but you didn't say anything else, did you? I didn't know you were doing anything else over the weekend. Thursday night, Hawthorne and Richmond. Uh, Hawks need to bounce back. They were shocking. And then Saturday, I'll be in Geelong to call Geelong versus Carlton at GMHBA Stadium for K-Rock footy. Sorry, you did. I did hear you say that, actually. I apologise, big fella. Uh, is it back to right. me next week for a guest? It is. I think it is. Righto, righto. I, uh, I'm just going to have a little bit of a think about it. I'm not going to give too much away. And you know what? Can you get the, can you get the kernel on? 
<laughs> Colonel's been in the studio sitting right beside me all night, big fella. I can assure you, I heard them turn the mic off a couple of times and just munch down a little bit of popcorn chicken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as we, you, you're sucking on a beer or a red wine. Uh, Sarka's just uh, drinking Mount Eliza dry down there, and I'm uh, drinking potato and gravy. Uh, life's good. Life is real good. Hey, uh... Been good again, boys, and uh, Fat Cat was sensational, you know, reminisced a few funnies and a couple of serious, it's probably as serious as I've heard him, but, uh, you know, he wanted to talk about his highlights, and I thought he was fantastic. Uh, ripping fellow, mate, great stories, absolutely loved it. Uh, make sure you like, make sure you share, make sure you review this podcast on whatever uh, uh, application you're listening to it on. It's been a heap of fun so far. We are going to continue with it. The big guests are going to continue to come. We might even have a basketballer uh, next week for something a little Ooh, bit different. Okay. That's all I'm going to say, and I'm going to give you this song to go out with tonight. Chuck, this one's for you. The Saints are coming. You two and Green Day. See ya, boys. Yo